Well, God loves you, and we want you to know that here at Turning Point. God loves you. He's not out to get you unless it's to get you healed or to get you saved or to get you delivered or to get you blessed. God is a good God, and God loves you. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're experiencing, God loves you. Amen. Well, having said that, let's turn to Matthew 25. And I want to continue in this series on the parables of Jesus that he spoke right after talking about his return. If you believe that Jesus will one day return, can you say praise God? God. Matthew 25 verse 1 is the second parable. Jesus has spoken following his announcement to his disciples that he's coming back. If you'll stand with me for the reading of this word. The disciples came to Jesus and they said, tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Well, Jesus immediately began to give some general signs. There's going to be earthquakes, famines, pestilences, so on and so forth, with increasing frequency and intensity. And by the way, those messages that went over the radio on prophecy, we've moved so many CDs on that message Really, right now, it's over 200 CDs, and we're going to play it again. We're going to put it on the air again because there was such an incredible response. People have begun to use those CDs as witnessing tools. People have listened to this and gone, my Lord, it's real. Jesus is coming again. So if you don't have any, you ought to grab some. Take them to somebody lost because people are being saved from that CD. Now, having said that, in one sitting... Jesus said, here's the signs. But then he didn't get up. He kept right on going. And he gave three parables. Three parables. Last week we looked at the parable of the good and evil servant. These parables have to do with the coming again of Jesus. Last week's was expectation of his return. Today we're going to talk about the wise and foolish virgins, which is preparation for his return. Next week we're going to talk about the 10 ta- or the, the talents, the parable of the talents which has to do with rewards at his return. Expectation of his return, preparation for his return, rewards at his return. He did not stand up and end this teaching until he was done with those parables. So all of these have to do with the return of Christ. Now let's read Matthew 25, verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened unto ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. If you got a pen, you ought to underline that. That's one of the key statements in this parable. Took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. Here again, we've got an absent person who's going to someday return or arrive. And there is a time lapse. And it says in verse 6, and at midnight, can everybody say midnight? Midnight. When it's dark out at midnight, 
A cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose. How many of them? All of them. And trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, "Uh Uh-oh, give us some of your oil. For our lamps are what, everybody? Going out. But the wise answered and said, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but you go to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, say it with me, everybody, I do not know you. I do not know you. That's one of the key statements in this parable as well. Then Jesus says to the disciples that were sitting there listening to this entire discourse, he says to them again, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Father, thank you for your word today. Bless it to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Let me talk to you about this parable just for a moment. This is the second of three parables given in Matthew 24, 25. These three parables by Jesus were given immediately following his prediction that he was going to return. So every one of these parables, the good and evil servant, the wise and foolish virgins, and the the parable of the talents are to be understood in the light of Jesus' return to earth. These three parables deal with, again, expectation of his return, preparation for his return, and rewards at his return. Last week, we looked at the parable of the faithful and evil servant, which dealt with expectation of his return. Very important. And that parable had to do with communal responsibility how we treat one another in the house of God before the master returns. The master of the house left his servants with one responsibility in that parable, to give food in due season. And we said that the food was to be kind, to be tenderhearted and forgiving, and to walk in love towards one another. To give food in due season is a picture of a loving, reciprocal, sensitive, and caring relationship between the servants of the house. In other words, faithfulness was judged by how the servants behave toward one another in the house. When Jesus Christ comes back again, according to the first parable, he's going to judge us for how we treated each other in the house. If we were mean, harsh, unforgiving, judgmental, gossipy, slandering, tearing one another down... That's going to be judged in the house. We're going to answer for that in the house. Jesus said, by this, all men are going to know that you're my disciples. By how you love, by how you treat, by how you behave towards one another. I got news for you, church. Those people out there are not looking at the size of a building, at how much money is in the church, at somebody's new suit or new dress. They're watching how we love one another. And if they see love in the house, they believe you when you say you know God. The parable of the faithful and evil servant ends with the return of the master of the house. He judges his house and there is weeping and gnashing of teeth over lost reward. 
But now the second parable begins with the word then. Now remember, he has not stopped. He's continuing a teaching that's been going on since the beginning of Matthew 24. So you say, then what? Well, the second parable of the wise and foolish virgins picks up where the first one ended, at the return of Christ. Then, when he returns, it's going to be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the returned bridegroom. Well, what in the world does all this mean? Well, now watch carefully. Let's pick this parable apart. There were five foolish and five wise virgins. The foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. They had an extra container. And in that container, they had oil. Keep that in mind. The five foolish had their lamps burning, and whatever got them burning in the beginning, they brought no extra container of oil. But the five wise had an extra container. They were ready for the long haul. They were ready for the long haul. Because in the first parable, Jesus took his time returning as the master of the house. In the second parable, he's the groomsman. He's the groomsman, and he's taking his time showing up at the wedding. So while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slept. In the first parable, they said, my Lord delays his coming, and they begin to backslide. In the second parable, while the groomsmen tarried, they slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Now remember Jesus' words. The Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. He's coming at midnight. What is midnight? It's when the lights are off. The kids are tucked in. It's when you least expect anything to happen. You're always shocked when the phone rings at midnight. You're always amazed and taken back if the doorbell rings at midnight. It's at midnight. We're not expecting anything to happen. We're all in bed. We're all asleep. And Jesus said, that's the way it's going to be in the world before I come again. I'm not coming in the daytime when everybody is looking up and alert. I'm coming at midnight when all is calm while the world sleeps suddenly like lightning flashing east to west in a dark sky. I'm coming. And I'm going to take the world by surprise. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. As soon as that cry came, they all arose and trimmed their lamps. Now, you've got to understand what lamp usually symbolizes in the Bible. It says in Proverbs 20, verse 27, The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord. The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Well, what are the inward parts of the belly? That refers to our deepest feelings, thoughts, and motivations. So the lamp of the Lord is the spirit of man. And the spirit of man is that part of you and me that's going to live forever. Your body will one day die. But it's your spirit that will go on forever. When you were born, conceived, and God breathed into you the breath of life, that is the spirit that will live forever. You will not one day die and return to the dust and cease to exist. Your body will die, but your spirit will live forever. We have eternal souls. So the lamp 
He's talking about they all had their lamps. To me is a picture, a metaphor that, of, of the spirit that is in man. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. Then they all arose and trimmed their lamps. The word trims comes from the Greek word cosmeo, from which we get cosmetic. It means to beautify, to arrange, to decorate, embellish, or to adorn. All of you ladies in here today know what cosmetics are. You dabbled in them this morning. If any of you men did, come down and see me afterwards. <laughs> it's the women who use the cosmeo, the cosmetics. But I want you to notice that when the, the groomsmen returned, all of these virgins jumped up and ran to the mirror and they began to cosmetically try to make themselves most presentable to the approaching groomsmen. Cover up those blemishes, cover up the zits, cover up whatever, the, the wrinkles, cover up the sunspots, put on those cosmetics because the groomsman is coming and I want to look as good as I can for the groomsman. I want you to notice the five foolish virgins, that's all they had in mind. They had not taken care of their inside. They were only concerned with how they looked cosmetically. There are people who go to church. They think that by going to church, they're looking good cosmetically. Yeah, I'm religious. I go to church. I say my prayers. I've been baptized. I've got a Bible sitting on a shelf. Cosmetically, I look good. But we're about to see in this parable that Jesus looks past the cosmetics and he looks down into the heart of men. He looks down into the spirit, which is the lamp of the Lord. And he wants to know if we've got any oil burning in our lamps. <laughs> the 10 virgins immediately head for the mirror. They begin putting finishing touches on their faces. They get their, themselves cosmetically ready. And it's here at this juncture in the parable that five of them realize something is very, very wrong. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Oh, no. Because see, at his return, for some reason, it suddenly became aware, all of them became aware of what he was really looking for. And they became aware of something missing, of a lack in their life. And it was the oil in their lamps. Five of them realize they have none. And it's this oil that five don't have and the other five do have that becomes the focus of the whole parable. So what is the oil? I mean, if this is the focus of the parable and, and if it's this oil that makes the difference between being received by the bridegroom and being rejected by him, that I want to know what that oil is. Because Jesus was given this parable in the light of talking about his return. So if he's going to tell us that we need oil in our lamps, it is returned, that I want to know what the oil is. Some have said it's works. They didn't have any works. They had not lived for God. They didn't have any rewards. They hadn't reached out for, to others for Jesus. They had, not, they had not prayed. They hadn't really lived for God. And so he was talking about works. I don't think so. Others have said, it's got to be faith. He's got to have been talking about faith. And their faith had waned. And they had not built themselves up in the faith. And so that was the oil. I don't think so. As I read my Bible, 
I cannot come to that conclusion. Reading the Bible, I can only come to one conclusion about what the oil was. I believe it is indisputable that the oil Jesus was talking about is the Holy Spirit of God. As we go back into the Old Testament and we shine that Old Testament light into our understanding, I find that all the way back, the lamp burning in the holy place, the lamp that burned in the holy of holies was lit with oil. And read any commentator you want to. They will tell you, and it's my opinion as well, that the holy of holies was a picture of the New Testament temple who is you and me. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. And in that Holy of Holies, for instance, it was young Samuel's job as a young boy ministering under Eli. Every day Samuel was ordered to get up and take oil into the Holy of Holies and put oil into the candlesticks so that the candlesticks remained lit and the fire never went out in the Holy of Holies. That burning fire was a picture of the burning presence of God and it was stoked fueled by the oil. Now, God is saying, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. No man lights a candle and puts it under a bushel, but he holds it up that it might give light unto all that are in the house. Well, when you got saved, Jesus lit your fire. Come on, everybody. Jesus lit your fire. And what did he light it with? Well, he didn't leave us to wonder because there on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost fell, what was it? It looked like flames of fire over every one of the disciples' heads. And it was a picture of what God was going to do. It says in the Psalms, he makes his ministers a flaming fire. See, we didn't get saved to walk around like a bunch of religious robots. He said, no, I came and I lit your candle. I lit the lamp of the Lord, which is your spirit. And then I sent you into the world to burn, baby, burn. Come on. And so the lamp burning in the holy place in the temple was lit with oil. And you and I, when we got saved, were lit by the Holy Ghost of God. And I want to tell you something. Jesus is telling us in this parable that it's up to you and me to be sure that we are carrying around an extra container of oil so that we keep oil in our lamps. We used to sing a song. Give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning, burning, burning. Give me oil in my lamp, I pray. Give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning, burning, burning. Keep me burning till the break of day. So whenever you see oil being used under God's direction in the Old Testament, it always symbolized the Spirit of God and power. So... What was it that the five were lacking? What was it? Because they all had lamps and they all trimmed them and they all went out to meet the bridegroom. Now I want you to listen very carefully to me. 
on this one because we're living in a day of tremendous deception. We're living in a day when a lot of people are playing church and they don't know that they're playing with fire but the wrong kind. There was only one difference in these two sets of virgins, the five wise and the five foolish. There was only one difference, but that one difference made all the difference. The five foolish had a form of godliness. They looked godly. They looked religious. They looked right. They knew the right things to say. They carried themselves like somebody regal, like somebody who knew God. But guess what? When Jesus comes, all will be exposed and all will be made real. The Bible talks about the one with whom we all will have to do business. They had a form of godliness, but it denied the power thereof. Paul said in the last days, people are going to have a form of godliness. They're going to look religious. They're going to talk God this and God that and God the other, but they're not going to really know him. And I'm going to tell you the greatest harvest field in all the world is the church. It's filled with people who have never had a personal encounter with the living God. I'm going to tell you the truth. You have got to yourself alone, individually, call on his name, ask him to forgive you of your sins, come into your heart and touch your own lamp. When we call upon the name of the Lord, his spirit comes to, into our spirit and he pours the oil. He pours the oil. He pours the oil of the Holy Spirit. Paul said he has poured his love out in our hearts by the Holy Ghost he has given to us. The Holy Ghost is the oil in the lamp. The five foolish virgins, theirs was only a head knowledge. They didn't really know him. How do we know they didn't know him? Because he tells us. He says, when they come knocking after he's already come. Now they're knocking, wanting in. And he says, depart from me. Here's these words. I do not know you. I don't know you. I never really knew you. The Bible says, examine yourself to be sure that you're in the faith. Romans 8 verse 9 says, but you are not like that. You are controlled by your new nature if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that if anyone doesn't have the Spirit of Christ living in him, let me say it again, if anyone doesn't have the Spirit of Christ living in him, he is not a Christian at all. I'm not here today to tickle ears. I'm here to tell you the truth. So well, I've been raised in church. That didn't save you. Well, I'm in church today. That doesn't save you. You think walking into this building with these walls, with the name of a church outside, saves you? No. Not any more than a fox going into a hen house turns him into a hen. You've got to be saved. You've got to be born again. You've got to have oil in your own lamp. The parable of the evil servant dealt with communal responsibility, how we want another one another, our responsibility toward each other. But this parable is dealing with our personal responsibility for ourselves. The Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. The oil is the burning, powerful presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of somebody who is in ongoing personal relationship with God. That's the oil. 
See, all the cosmetics in the world symbolized by trimming the lamps won't carry you into heaven. He will say, I never knew you. If you go before God and say, I was a good church person, never knew you. Well, I did a lot of good things for the poor, never knew you. I gave a lot of money away, never knew you. Jesus is talking about the need to come into personal, ongoing relationship with him by way of the blood. It's personal relationship with God through his shed blood that places the oil of the Spirit into your heart. That's the difference between these wise and foolish virgins. Five of the wise, they had met him, they knew the groomsmen, and they had an ongoing personal relationship with him symbolized by the container carrying extra oil. See, if you're saved, there's a container, and it's called your relationship with God. And you may experience burnout. You may someday wake up and say, you know, I'm so tired. I'm spiritually drained. I've been giving and giving and giving. I think I'll just get out of church and give up. No, 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 no. Here's what believers do. Believers access that extra container. And they say, even though the oil is burning low in my lamp, I know him. I know how to get a hold of God. I know how to go to the word. I know how to pray. I know how to praise him. Now I'm going to tell you something. A few years ago, I went through the most hellacious experience of my life ever. By all accounts, I should have been done. And people said I was done. But see, I knew something. I knew something from years of walking with God. And I'm not bragging. I'm so glad I had a survival kit. I knew something. I knew how to get into the Word. I knew how to pray. I knew how to spend time with God. I knew how to lift my hands in a midnight hour. And I knew how to call on His name. So I reached into the extra container day by day by day and put it back in my lamp. And one morning, I said to myself, my soul, I feel the same old fire. That's right. And I found out that with Jesus, there is an inexhaustible supply. It never runs out. There is a river which makes glad the city of God. The streams flow from God. He has an infinite supply of Holy Ghost oil if you got the container of personal relationship at your side. So in the midnight hour, These five wise virgins were able to access extra oil and they filled their lamps that were flickering and got them into a bright flame again just as the groomsman was approaching. I see something else in this parable. On that day, you can't get in through someone else's walk. The five foolish said, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. 
The five wise said, no, lest there should not be enough for us and you. They said, you go and get your own. I got to tell you today, church, you can't get into heaven on mama's faith, on daddy's faith, on my faith. You've got to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You are responsible for your flame. You're responsible. People say to me, well, I'm all burned out. I say, I can't help you. What do you mean you can't help me? You're the preacher. I cannot help you. Well, then what am I going to do? Go off and get with God and fill up your own lamp because I can't pour oil down your throat. You've got to go get with God. Access that oil. Because if you're saved, here's your oil. If you're saved, here's your oil. If you're saved, here's your oil. If you're saved, here, church, is your oil. There is no excuse for a child of God facing the groomsman with a lamp that has burned out. See, the bottom line is that these five foolish virgins didn't know him. They were right next to wise ones. Whoops. And there went the mic. But we're in charge here. They were right next. It reminds me of the parable of the wheat and the tares. Because here was wheat with tares growing up right next to it. They knew the wise, hung around with the wise, fellowshiped around the wise, but they did not know him. They didn't know him. And when they saw the groomsmen, their true condition became very clear. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the time to get right with God. Do you know that you don't have to leave this place today without oil in your lamp? My soul and body, preachers stand up every week with no oil in their lamp. It's amazing how many people have been in church and never really known him. It doesn't have to be that way with you. See, my job is to tell you about it Your job is to act on it. Is there oil in your lamp? Do you know him? Do you have an ongoing personal relationship with him that when you go through trial and fire and water and valleys and difficult hours, you've got a container of oil. You know how to get a hold of God because you've got a personal relationship with him that you access in the midnight hour. If it hadn't been for that, I wouldn't be here, and you wouldn't be here. It would have been over with. But I know a resurrection God who will raise you from the dead. He will dust you off. He will fill you with fresh oil, and he will stand you on your feet. Let's stand together, can we? Oh, I'll tell you, it's good to burn again. It's good to glow in the dark again. So, Pastor Jeff, how often do you have to do that? Every day. I'm hooked. I'm hooked. I'm an addict. Here it is. I got to mainline it. I got to snort it. I got to drink. I got to shoot it. I got to have it. 
Thy word is a lamp to my feet and it's a light to my path. And when I open it and I begin to read it, I'm refueling at the gas station. I'm refueling. And, and say, when, when are you done? I'm done when I'm done. Well, how do you know when you're done? When I'm full. And I fill that lamp up every day because it'll go out. Amen. Boy, you talk about some deer at headlight stairs. <laughs> See, the church needs to hear these things because if we're not lit, what's going to happen out there? Let's pray together. If you can say, Pastor Jeff, I don't know if I've got oil in my lamp. I don't know. There's a question mark in the back of my mind about whether or not I've ever been saved. Or you used to walk with God and the oil ran low and the flame began to flicker and instead of refilling it with oil through personal relationship, you just got away from him. Did you know you can come back today right now let him touch you in a fresh new way and you can go out of here with that relationship intact and restored if you can say Pastor Jeff I'm in one of those two categories and I'll let you pray for me I want you to raise your hand would you raise it high where I can see and pray for you bless you and you and you and you and you I'm going to ask if your hands are raised I want you to do something Forget about people and think only about you and the groomsmen. I want you to slip out from where you are and come and stand right in front of me. And we're going to pray. And that relationship is going to be restored. And he's going to pour oil in your lamp. So if you raise your hand, you come while we sing. We're going to sing for just a moment. And I want you to slip out and come. And stand right here and pray with us in Jesus' name. If you're with somebody, bring them with you. They'll come with you. But Jesus will meet you as soon as you begin to walk.